like the way Barker brings props, balls and bats with him. Baseball show. And a, like, mu- and a mug that says Barkman on it. Absolutely does. A Yeti. That's my dig me mug. Dig me mug. How about that? That's good. Jeff Jenkins used to have a, a home run tape of himself. I would go over to his house in spring training in Arizona, and he'd be sitting on the couch by himself. And all you could hear is the sound of the ball off the bat. I'm like, what are you doing? My tape. It's odd. Worked for him. Just as background noise. Just needed to hear all that homers. So that way when you go to practice, you got you got a good feeling about yourself. Yeah, so it's like it's a dig me moment. We do have those things. We do we do refer refer to them in the business as dig me moment. That is when you get a a, a player on. You let you you let the player have some rope. Oh. We call them dig dig me moments. Huh. You know, like all the every time we play that clip of you, uh, or or uh, uh, Jason uh, Vanetti talking about you hitting the home run off the scoreboard, that's a dig me moment mm. for Kevin Barker. We don't have a dig that's me moment for Jeff Blair. No, <laughs> no. Your daughter graduated. Yeah, but that's not a dig me moment. It is too. That's that's on her. That's not on me. Although it's nice that somebody in somebody in the family actually attended their grad you ceremony. You spell checked her work. <laughs> I did not. We call that editing. Uh, I've got a pair of tickets to give away. To, stop it. A pair of tickets to give away to the Jays Rays game at the Rogers yeah. Center on Saturday, July second. Um, we've been. Don't let it beat you. I'm sorry. It's just some of the things you do on, on that. Just you're welcome. You know, anyhow, we are giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen to the radio or on the podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 590-590. Yesterday, we asked you, who is the only Tampa Bay Ray to hit more than 40 home runs in a season? We had a lot of interesting answers. We had a lot of inaccurate answers. The answer is Carlos Pena, which I did get right away. But again, kudos, Gary Sheffield, Jose Canseco. There were some... There was some good. I like it when people don't go to baseball reference and you can tell that they've just looked at this and said, I'll have a guess. I love when they do that and it's not right, but it shows some thought. Oh, I almost feel like you're not getting free tickets. (laughs) I almost feel like we should do a thing. Where what we should do is we should try to get an extra set of tickets and give it out. No, listen, give it out to somebody who has the best wrong answer. Oh, the best wrong answer. Like Jose Canseco, that's a perfectly Gary Sheffield. That's a perfectly acceptable answer. I think we should do that. Anyhow, I think you should buy extra tickets. Anyhow, stop it. Today's question is to win tickets to the Jays and Rays game at the Rogers Center on Saturday, July second. This is again. Mr. Ray well, here. I got it. I got it in like two two seconds. Which player has played the most games in Tampa Bay Rays history? Give him a hint. No. Which player has played the most games in Tampa Who Bay does Rays he play history? For now? Stop it. Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash five ninety. Just don't give them any. See, now you're telling them that it's an it may not be an active player. It is. Don't listen to Barker. <laughs> it may not be it an is. active player. I'm a nice guy. I'm Which player him. has played the most games in Tampa Bay Rays history? You're you like only... that idea, though, right? We no, give out, I do we not give like out tickets for the best wrong answer. Cheat to get the free tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Type as fast as you can. There you go. <laughs> if you don't know the answer. 
It's fun. Uh, uh, Major League Baseball came down with uh, quite a list of suspensions Boom. as a result of Sunday's fight between the Angels and... Uh, that was a fight, too. It was a fight. The, the Angels and, and Seattle Mariners. Uh, Phil Nevin, the manager of the Angels, got a 10-game suspension. Jesse Winker of the Mariners got a seven-game suspension. Anthony Rendon... Yeah. Got a five-game suspension. He's not even playing. He's on the injured list. (laughs) He he will serve his suspension when he he returns from the injured list. In in addition to the suspension, he's prohibited from sitting on the bench for the Angels' next seven games. Angels assistant pitching coach Dom Cheedy has received a (laughs) five-game suspension for his actions during the incident. coach. Angels Major League interpreter Manny Del Campo got a two-game suspension. Their bench coach got a two-game suspension. Their pitching coach got a one-game suspension. You're supposed to break it up. Julio Rodriguez got a two-game suspension for the Mariners. Iglesias got a two-game suspension for throwing bubble gum on the field uh, or sunflower seeds. Ryan Tapera received a three-game suspension. (laughs) And poor old Andrew Wants, who was just like doing it for the team, got a three-game suspension. J.P. Crawford got five. He went off the top rope, man. But the one that you gets him, me, let, get let's bring in David Sampson of uh, CBS Sports uh, HQ, former Marlins president. David Sampson, this is this is the this is the thing that intrigues me the most of these suspensions. This is Phil Nevin's track record as a manager so far: eighteen games managed, seven games won, ten games suspended. And of course, managers and coaches can't appeal, right? Because they're not members of the Players Association. That's a pretty that that's a pretty remarkable. I don't know if we'd call it a stat, but but that kind of stands out in your resume. 18 total games, seven games won, 10 games suspended. That's odd. Well, I think that's the least of the issues for the Angels of Los Angeles right now. They're looking at another year of no October appearances with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. David, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call you back if we could. We got a bad we've got a we've got a dodgy line, and mm-hmm. uh, and I don't want to. Miss yeah. David, because I know he li- he likes talking about he likes he talking does. about you know about you know what I angels. saw Rendon slapped Jesse in the face with his left hand yeah no no because oh, his, his right hand's broken yeah so he can't do it right hand veteran moves. Left- <laughs> I mean I just think that that's that's funny I, I'm with you by the way if you know this happened an interpreter. Yeah, dude, you, you should be tossed. You should be fired for that. Forever. You got no reason going out. <laughs> no, no. It's like bullpen catchers running out for brawls. It is. Yeah, my favorite. Uh, as we get David Sampson back, Pierre Arsenal was a bullpen catcher for the Montreal Expos. Went on to be a Marlins scout, and uh, the Expos had a brawl, and Arsenal was in the bullpen, and he couldn't join it. And people were throwing stuff at him. They, I think they were they were playing the Mets. People were throwing stats at him and calling him a coward because he wasn't running out with the rest of relief, rest of the relievers during the brawl. And he's looking. I'm, I mean, I'm not even actually on the team. I'm, I'm the bullpen catcher. Anyhow, we've got David Sampson back. Sorry, David. I uh, apologize for that. You were talking about uh, the Angels, and yeah, I think you were making a point. You've got Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and uh, I mean, you don't have a lot to show for that. Oh God, what do they have nothing to show for that. Mike Trout, if you can believe it, has never even won a playoff game. That's remarkable. So, and they've got Shea Otani entering free agency, and he wants to win, and they've got to figure out how to deal with him. But then you make the managerial change. You bring in Phil Nevin. You know what you're getting, right? He is the anti-Joe Madden. He's a very major disciplinarian. He will, he will literally fight for his players. 
Uh, and I think the biggest thing that is not being talked about is this wasn't a mistake. This was premeditated, which mm-hmm. is why you saw the suspension so large. They started that pitcher. That's the first game he started all year. He's not a starter. You can call it an opener because the Tampa Bay Rays do it and other teams do it, so you can maybe get away with that. But Rob Manfred and Mike Hill said, no way. You put him in the game solely to throw at the Mariners, which he did and successfully hit Winker, and that's why you're seeing 10 games. But the other thing not being spoken about is in my career, we never had a hit-by-pitch that I was not aware of. So it's not like the manager just decides at the spur of the moment, hey, we're going to retaliate or, hey, we're going to start something. It always gets discussed in advance who we're going to hit, when we're going to hit them, in what circumstance, when we're going to delay it if the game is not going the way we want it to go. And when you do an opener like they did and hit someone immediately like that, totally premeditated, and Artie Moreno, the owner, had to have known about this. And I would like to have seen a suspension of Moreno. And that doesn't happen often, if at all, with an owner being suspended for something that happens on the field. But in my opinion, that's one of the ways that I would try to curb brawling because it's so bad. And I understand that people have fun, and it's like hockey fights. People want to see them. But as a team president, I don't want my players fighting because the worst thing that can happen when you're running a team is a player being paid not to play. And that happens when they're on the injured list. And I don't want players to get injured in a fight, and therefore I don't want fights. So I tried to get a bunch of rules changed, Jeff, and I was shot down on the competition committee. I wanted the bullpens not to be allowed to leave the bullpen. Uh, Any bullpen arms who leave the bullpen, automatic suspension. I wanted the benches, like in the NBA. If you leave the bench, you're suspended. I wanted it to be if you leave the dugout, you're automatically suspended. So there are different ways that you can stop these, and I think this brawl specifically is going to get owners back in the room to figure out some rule changes, and I think you're going to see some. Well, sorry, Kev, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to, I was just going to ask you, what, what do you think for Phil Nevin? Is this going forward does for his chances of being the manager for the Angels, you know, in the, in the years to come? I don't think there's anything to do. I think wins and losses are going to be far more dispositive than this mm-hmm. because, again, he did not do this on his own. Mm. He did not come up with this plan. There is not one owner or GM who doesn't know who the starting pitcher is for a particular game. And it, you go through the rotation with your front office. It's all set up in advance. When you're starting Wentz, Moreno wouldn't, wouldn't say, oh, that's a good idea. Let's maybe that's, it's done for the purpose of inciting this brawl. So I think that uh, Phil Nevin is not going to be blamed. As a matter of fact, we would pay the fines for our managers when they got suspended for, uh, for either an ejection or for like this when, when there was a hit by pitch and the manager would get suspended because it wasn't the manager doing it on his own. We were a part of it, so we would pay those fines. I explained to me the uh, major league interpreter <laughs> getting out there. And, I, I, you know, I, was, I say to Kevin, I mean, if that's me, and again, people need to realize that players do have a right to appeal through the Players Association. And that's another issue entirely because quite often, David, a guy appeals and is, you know, how, how often do we say the guy's been suspended for six games? That'll be cut down to three or four. It just, that, 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 that quite often happens. But, yeah. The major league interpreter getting involved. Like you've essentially got you've got personnel in Anthony Rendon who's not in the active roster. Like I, maybe it's time to also limit the number of people in the dugout. I know the interpreter, I, I presume, has to be there, but maybe you need to limit the number of people in the dugout. 
Because I know, I know a lot of other sports, you know, the NHL, you don't have your injured players sitting in the sitting in the bench. They're up in the press box. Yeah, we had a rule for our interpreter for each row and for the, every team now. Part of the last collective bargaining agreement is that every team has a dedicated person who is the uh, a Spanish-speaking interpreter for the players who speak only Spanish. And we had a very simple rule. You do not go on the field unless you are accompanied by a coach and you're going to see a player like a pitcher, like for a mound visit. Other than that, you are not allowed on the field hard stop. So I think baseball has to, I would have come down even harder on the interpreter because you've got to make it clear that you may not be involved. If you look at the tape, Shohei Otani's interpreter got involved only in that when Shohei came out of the dugout, the interpreter was with Shohei, not for the purpose of interpreting when they're calling each other names, was for the purpose of just protecting him. And I was okay with that because he sort of de-escalated Shohei from getting involved, which is, thank God, you don't want to get a player like that hurt. But getting actually involved in the brouhaha just can't happen. And the same with Anthony Rendon. You know, baseball tried to say that, uh, and I predicted this, but I'm going to give a solution. Anthony Rendon can't serve his suspension until he's off the injured list. Mm -hmm. He's out for the year right now. There is a hole in the rule book. They can actually, in September, when players get hurt in September, you'll notice that they're not put on the injured list because there's no reason to be put on the injured list anymore. Rosters are expanded, and there's, it doesn't matter. They can pull Rendon off the injured list and make him, quote-unquote, active, even though he's still hurt, and he can serve his five games this season because they can tell Michael Hill or Rob Manford, hey, he's, he had a quick recovery, he's available, but we're not going to start him. We could pinch hit him. And then he'll get his five games now because if I'm the owner of the Angels, I don't want Rendon as bad as he's been and not worth the money. I don't want him missing the first five games of next year. David, I can remember when Arte Moreno took over the Angels. And for the longest time, the Angels were kind of in this, this uh, almost this no man's land. And, and Arte took them over. And I remember reading at the time, this was great. He was a high-profile Latino owner. Um, he was clearly, a, a, he appeared to be a baseball fan. You know, he, he wanted to improve the ballpark, all this stuff. It was great because you were going to have a kind of a guy with, with a, a bit of a presence in the L.A. market to counteract the Dodgers, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. What the hell happened to him? Because I honestly thought he was going to be a good owner. And, you know, now, I mean, they're, they're kind of botching their ballpark, uh, their, their plans for a new ballpark and a new entertainment district. I don't know if that's all on him, but it's certainly part of it. It certainly is, Jeff. He got what's, caught. What's <laughs> he happy? got caught paying off politicians. Well, that's yeah, so, that's never a good thing. But what 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 is Arte Moreno as an owner? Should I have expected makes, more out of him? I, I guess I'll put it in a way that will make you laugh and maybe some of your audience. Artie Moreno makes Jeffrey Loria look like a popular owner in the ownership ranks. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, that did make me laugh. So it's a he has been an unmitigated disaster. He was a problem when Rob when when Rob became commissioner. He was very anti Rob being commissioner. He has had an issue with with the commissioner's office since the beginning. He's a bit of a rogue owner in sort of many of the things he does, and he's just been a problem. And they can't not enough. We're not talking about a Sterling situation or a Marge Shot situation. Not enough or, or a Danny Snyder situation. Not enough to force him to sell. But clearly it has not worked out because he checked a lot of boxes, right? He was a minority, uh, became an owner as a minority. Mm -hmm. They thought it would be really good. You, you said it exactly right. When he was approved, 
that was a big moment. Yeah. A very wealthy minority control partner in a big market with a lot of Spanish-speaking clients, it was supposed to be heaven. It would be the equivalent of someone in Montreal, a Quebecois, owning the Expos, as an example. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just hasn't worked either on or off the field. So I think that it would be good if he sold, but he has no interest. He loves owning the team. He doesn't participate a lot in league meetings or on committees. He's uh, He's very much on his own island. And if you're going to be that way, you better win. Otherwise, you're just a pain in the neck who's not adding anything either to your fans, to your team, or to the league. David, do you think you, we see this again with Seattle? You know, Seattle may have a grief here. You, you try to hit Rodriguez, you missed him, and then you hit Winker because you missed your first guy. You think this is lasting effects? You may see this again down the road. So players are pretty good about that. Um, they 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 turn the page. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you meet with your team and you say, all right, we're going to be hitting somebody and make sure you do. Tom Kohler was supposed to hit someone. He was a former Marlin pitcher. We had him hitting someone and Kohler missed him. And he was crushed in the clubhouse. Like we made fun of him. Like, how could you miss And we would not do a La Russa, right? We're not going after people's heads. Mm-hmm. You go after their tushier. You go after the numbers on the back of their uniform. But as a pitcher, you're supposed to be able to hit a player when you need to hit a player, and you're supposed to hit the player in the right place. But once it's done, it's done. So there's a lot of talk of the carryover where umpires start a game with warnings, which was the case here too. And that's never been really necessary in my mind because once there's been the initial act and then the payback act, that's sort of it. Unless you're La Russa and then it keeps going. Uh, Very quickly before we let you run, what is the status of your Kilimanjaro? Mm Mm-hmm. Trek, I, I saw you on Twitter. You, you, did you sustain a hamstring injury or a calf injury or something? Yeah, I tore my hamstring, Jeff. So I'm 54 years old, and I went water skiing uh, last weekend thinking that I was still 25, and I'm slaloming, and then I fell. And all of a sudden they said, well, that doesn't feel good. Uh-oh. And uh, I tore it at the origin, which is right where the tush is. And I, I've been to a couple doctors, and here's the status. I'm going to climb Kilimanjaro and run a marathon from the summit, leaving on July 7th, and I can't die. Well, not from the hamstring, and uh, I'll just be in a lot of pain. But I'm going to do it, Jeff. You know me. You know me. There is no I and quit. Wow. I'm doing it. Wow, that's true. There is no. And I know that you're a you're glutton. I know, I know that you're a glutton for punishment because you come on this show regularly. <laughs> David. It's one of my favorite things. I oh, know it is. So we nice. appreciate it. Hey, thanks for doing this, man. Terrific insight. Thanks, David. Be well. Stay healthy. Thanks. Bye. righty. David Sampson, former Marlins president uh, and uh, host of the uh, – Nothing personal, he, he, the podcast told, with David Sampson. He told me something I, I did not know. I did not know that these things are planned. Like, it goes all the way to the top. I Did you know that? I, I did not know that. I have not had anybody. I've suspected that, you know, teams, coaching staff, that guy, you know, guys know, hey, you saw what happened yesterday. We're, no, 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 no. And and I would think that would depend on the owner probably too, right? Like I don't I don't know if if the Jays get involved in it. Do they you know do they call down here and I, I, but if you've got I don't I don't think so. But if you have an owner who like that's basically all Arte Moreno does mm-hmm. and is at the ballpark and and is involved in you know is there every day and in hand, is hands on when it comes to decisions. All that. yeah, I, I 
I would see that. But, you know, God, I mean, I, I'm thinking of Perry Manassian right now, friend of the show, former Blue Jays executive. We just had to do this year. You know, the Joe Madden thing, and Madden threw him under the bus. And then this, uh, I mean, I, I just, they've got Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, Kevin. And they're this close to being a laughing stock. Mm-hmm. Like that, think about that for a minute. You've got, you've got Trout and Otani. You not only have arguably the best hitter of this, this, this generation, you've got maybe the most marketable, exciting, entertaining, dynamic player we've seen. I can't remember talking since Barry Bonds, and people didn't like Barry Bonds, but people were focused on Barry Bonds getting the record and all that. I haven't seen Shohei Otani's kind of the closest to that. You've got those two commodities, and you should be must-watch TV, but you're not because no. your your team is is it's just it's almost a joke. Like that is really frustrating. It's it's, it's a tough watch. I do I do remember Trout coming out after he the, the ball went over his head and saying, you, you can hit me, just not up around my head. And maybe that's why the front office and the owner may have gotten involved and said, you know, we have to do something about this and, and start an opener. I, I just think once you throw at somebody, you miss them, your chance is over. And, well, your, and, your, your opportunity's yes. over. Yeah, and, you I, move and, on. I, and I will tell you this. I mean, you know, not really being old school here, but taking a guy and making him an opener when everybody knows what's going to happen. I, the, there's only one person I feel sorry for in this thing, and that's Andrew Wants. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, what do you do if you're him? Like, you're going to do it because your team wants you to do it, but, man, that, you, put that, you put that dude in a, in a really uncomfortable position, and that's the only guy I feel sorry for in all this. I, I really do. You know, I'm sure Jesse Winker's playing, and I'm sure Jesse Winker probably expected some sort of mm-hmm. retaliation. I, you know, throwing at throwing at Rodriguez, you know, um, but uh, but yeah, the 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 dude that had to go out and do it, the dude that had to go out and do it, um, and he's not. By the way, he is not appealing his suspension. Wants uh, isn't peeling his. Suspension. I still just. I, I'm I sorry. I find. I. I. That's the only. He's the only person. I look at that thing, and the only person I have even the smallest amount of sympathy for is him because I just. I can't imagine you're in that situation. I just can't imagine I, you're in it. I. I, I just. I, I can't imagine presidents and 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 GMs coming down and actually handpicking a guy to throw at a guy the next day. I've never heard of that. Well, maybe, I, maybe it happens more than. Yeah, more I, I, than we know about, but man, like it's it's almost like we we think about doing it, but should we do it? Let's get premeditated. I, absolutely, it's absolutely, absolutely. Now you're now you're getting the owner involved. That's I just I got to be honest. We I've never heard that. That's new to I, me. I'm sure it just depends on it depends on the owner. Look, when when David Sampson and Jeffrey Laurie ran the Marlins, I mean Jeffrey David was in the clubhouse all the time. Jeffrey was in the clubhouse as well. That's just the, there are some owners that uh, you know that were that, well. David that said they did on. that. Huh. Yeah, you learn something new every how about, day. How about you're the guy that they pick to do it? And by the way, this comes from the owner. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how do you how do you know who to pick? Hitting a guy is not the easiest thing to do when you're when you're so you know fixated on throwing it exactly where you want it to go. And now you actually ask a guy to throw it to a guy or throw at a guy and don't hit him above the waist. 
Yeah, I think it That's was not the easiest thing to do. I think it was our friend Sean Estes who was tasked with the responsibility of throwing at Mike Piazza after remember that World Series, the Yankees Mets World Series, where Piazza the bat breaks and Clemens picks up the bat mm-hmm. and throws it at him. Um I thought and and there was an interleague game. And Roger was going to hit because the game was in, was at Shea Stadium. I thought it was Sean Estes. I could be wrong because I know he was with the Mets. Here it is. It wasn't just any. Yeah, it's right. It was Sean Estes was uh, supposed to hit Roger Clemens. And, um, yeah, I think he missed third inning. Clemens going to play against Estes. Estes didn't hit him. He did throw, that's it. He didn't hit him, but he threw, threw a pitch a foot behind Clemens. I remembered that. Uh, Estes comes to play the bottom of the third. Nothing happens. Two innings later. Yeah, so that's that's the thing I remember is that fr- from that World Series. And it, you remember that World Series right mm-hmm. where the bat snaps and Clemens throws it back at Piazza. And that was the end of that World Series. I covered that World Series. And uh, you know, Piazza's sort of non-reaction, the Mets' non-reaction to it. I can remember sitting sitting in the press box, everybody looking at each other and going, man, this thing's done. Roger Clemens just basically said, come on. Mm-hmm. Drew a line. This Drew a line and let's go. And nobody answered it. Anyhow, uh, Daniel Kramer covers the Mariners for MLB.com. We'll talk to Daniel about these uh, suspensions. We'll also talk about Sergio Romo, who uh, uh, formerly with the Mariners, again, as I said last night in Blue Jays talk, don't go look at the stats on Sergio Romo. Just he, he's a guy who's going to throw a slider, and he's had some success in the past. That's all you need to in know. In the but past we'll, is the word. We'll talk to Daniel Kramer <laughs> about that, and uh, we'll have Barker's back leg bits as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Barker's back leg bits in a few minutes. DMs are open. Any questions for Kevin? We've got a couple of them here. I really do like my idea about giving away tickets for Told the best worst answer. Get off your wallet. I'm not saying I want to buy up, the tickets. Go buy some tickets. No. Yes. No. It's your idea. Go buy some tickets. I, I I'm think in a waving a... them around. Say I got this for the worst answer. <laughs> no, no, it's the best worst answer. So basically, we collate all oh, the answers, and it. the one it's like it's like picking. I would get to choose the second best answer. Uh, sure, you would. All right, what? I would get to choose the second what best answer. You buy answer. the tickets. You know, it, it, it sounds it, like more basic, work for you. You're basically yeah. Well, let's make more work for Jeff. Already got that. Oh yeah, in the, in the AL East. The only way this show makes it is all the work you do. In the AL East, man, oh man, well, I got to put that sucker together and yeah, got to get Lance to you get all think, the you clips. Would think, you would think that. You, just... you know, my Sunday nights are sacred to me. <laughs> yeah, book reading and warm milk. <laughs> Ross Stripling gets a start tonight. Speaking of warm milk, Ross Stripling gets a start tonight for the Blue Jays against, I have no idea what that means, I against Michael Waka. Under control. <laughs> under control, that's right. Stripling and Waka. Tomorrow, Nick Pavetta and Alec Manoa bring your flame retardant jackets to that one because there's going to be a lot of heat. going to be a lot of heat thrown in that game. Mm. 
And uh, it was interesting hearing Alex Cora talk yesterday about uh, about the Red Sox and and where they are now. Chris Sale is rehabbing. Uh, they could get James Paxton at some point. If, if that happens, there's a chance that Garrett Whitlock goes back into the bullpen. Maybe Tanner House stays in the bullpen. Essentially what Alex Cora was saying is, you know what? If we can kind of get through this, if we can hold the fort down, it's going to be like some pretty good trade deadline acquisitions. If we get a healthy sale and, and Paxton, uh, the Red Sox bullpen, which is, you know, been a bit of a talking point all year. All of a sudden, that could become stabilized. Aroldis Chapman's coming back. Could help the Yankees bullpen. Guess which team in the AL East really needs to do some work in its bullpen right now? And I find that interesting. I, I had not thought of that, the, the possibility of that. I mean, we would just assume the Red Sox were going to go relief pitcher hunting at the trade deadline. I'm sure they will a little. They may not have to go as much, though. Because you can go, Garrett Whitlock closing the game for you, finishing the game for you. What the Blue Jays have home field advantage the Red Sox have to come here? Got a couple of guys who are not vaccinated. Just Houck. Well, he's a big deal. He's been good for them. Yeah, but you've got you've got a little bit of uh Whitlock. He gets he comes back, that might fill a spot, but yeah, look, I I'm I'm sure all of these GMs that are in it are looking for the best arms they can get that they don't have to give up the farm. We uh are having a difficult time raising Daniel Kramer. So uh we'll just have to, as I said, I'll, I'll give you the Sergio Romo. Don't look at this year's numbers. He throws a so slider. What are you supposed to do? And he's little. Be, be happy that he's here and not look at his numbers. No, I mean, just, 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 it, he's, these guys going to come. He, he could be, it could be walking, but what was it? What, was it Soria that they have? That type of guy. He's an arm in the bullpen. Hopefully he's better than some of the stuff you have right now. And we'll find out if he is. Well, he's 39. It could be and half, it's no, could and be it's half no cost. arm. And, and, and it's really not costing <laughs> he'll be, you money. He'll be all right. I think he will too. I mean, I, I could see him, I can see him getting some outs this week. Anyhow, we'll see. It's not, it's, it, it's not official yet. It's not official yet. But everybody is, is saying that he's agreed to uh, contract with the Jays. So if there's no Daniel Kramer, it is time for... It's time for Barker's oh, Back yes, Leg Bits. Well, I saw you in 2005 mm-hmm. hit homers yes, off did. scoreboards yes, in the International League. Dig I, me. I know how you roll. Dig me moment Oh, that made there. me feel so That's good about dig myself. dig me moment for Kevin Barker. You ever been in that stadium? Where? Uh, uh, Charlotte. No. It's atrocious. The, the 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 lights for the field were like a mile away. Literally. Like the lights to it's light like, up the stadium. Right. So you could see a baseball. It's like the lights you see at those sort of big truck depot we're things, so right? We're so far away Jesus. that you could barely see the baseball. So every time I see a pitcher <laughs> chuck one of those pearly whites away, I laugh. Think about my time in the minor leagues. What is the worst thing? And we'll get the back leg bits in a minute. This is Blair now asking Barker a question. Mm. Should be good. Give me the three worst things about playing. Listen, about playing in the minors, not the travel. Money, money, money. The three worst things about playing in minor league ballparks. The travel is atrocious. Never, no, but the ballparks themselves. Oh. The lighting? The light. Uh, well, the later in my career, because some of those parks were. were rebuilt and they worked on them yeah. so they were better uh louisville when i played there that was a really nice state indianapolis with the which was the pirates that's a really nice triple a stadium so a lot of those were they got really better nice. in triple a yeah. but lower levels <laughs> buddy the lighting's bad the background for hitters is bad uh clubhouse 
no clubhouse bueno. is atrocious. No a lot bueno. of those, you got to walk across the field to get to that club. What? Like, it's not Man. even connected to the dugout. Like, what kind of show are we you running gotta, here? God, so you got to walk in front of the paying customers. You got to 10-30 game. I'd have to walk across the field. <laughs> All right. Let's get the Barkers back. Like and then money. And then money. And yeah, money. money is. And money. It always money. gets back to money Absolutely with you. Absolutely it does. It always gets back to money with you. I say it out loud. You don't. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah. Andrew M. Hey, Jeff and Kev. What are the chances we see a complete AL East with a winning record? With the changes to how many games are outside your division next season, will it even be more likely? Will this impact the playoffs going forward for the Jays? And of course, the next season you're going to have more balance. He's talking schedule. about this year? This year, yeah. I, the, the Orioles would be tough. Well, let's see what the standings are. He said the entire American League yeah, East. Above 500. It's good. The, I mean, the, I'd, the have or, the at, I'd have to five, look at the Orioles are five games, five games under 500. I'd have to mm. look. But there's a bunch of games. Obviously, you're playing a bunch of games within your division. You are. Uh, can so we I would say, say I would say four out of the five. But I, I will, uh, uh, Andrew. I'll I'll turn this around for Kevin. Based on where the Orioles are right now, five games under mm-hmm. in this division, and you know, knowing what they're going through, mm-hmm. if they keep playing at this pace for the rest of the year, and they finish the year in there, let's say they're. Let's say they're eight, five games under five to eight games under 500. Mm-hmm. Are we going to have to look at the Orioles and go, you know, they're a whole hell of a lot closer than we thought they well, were. You talk about front offices and what Ross is going through on this eight games would tell you a lot about what he wants to do. But why, why would the Orioles be any different? They're moving the fences back in left field for a reason. They're getting geared up for something. Yeah. Well, if you, you got a, you got a good lineup. They're not easy to pitch to. No. They're very aggressive. They take pitchers pitches. We've seen it. You got to get them out. Like yeah. a lot of the times they're not going to get themselves out. And that bullpen is legit. Yeah. They've got a bunch so, of waiver, a bunch of waiver you claims. You got to have the battle but... whipped right there. If you can get some more starting pitches, you get, you get some free agent buying into coming to Baltimore. That's going to be the hardest thing. Yeah. You might have to overpay them. I mean, you pay them enough. They're going to come. And that's why they've moved the fences back. <laughs> you might so, have, yeah, you might, absolutely. you might, it, it'll get interesting. And we also know that Baltimore is going through a bit of an ownership situation right now uh, with a with family squabble involving the Angelos, the Angelos family. Um, but yeah, that there may come a time where they have to kind of juice the pump a little bit in free agency. And you're right. Maybe go out and overpay for a free agent. But you know, it's funny. I, I was thinking back to the off season. If you if you think back to, I want to say it was September, um, and and people were starting to look ahead to free agency. There was kind of a rumor, and out I would call it a rumor that the Orioles might be one of the teams that might go out and try to overpay for Carlos Correa. You know, give him the big give him the big contract. Mm-hmm. If you're the Orioles and you finish this year, like I said, five to eight games under 500, sure. maybe you go after one of those big-time shortstops next year, and maybe you do give them, give them that You'd big contract. You'd have to contract. ask yourself, you're one of those free agents, why would you go to Baltimore? You're in the American League East. You're still, even if they go out and do that, you're, you're, not, you're, you're still going to be the fifth-place team in the American League yeah, East for but, at least the, last, the next couple of years. Are you more competitive? Absolutely. What did you? What was your answer when I asked you about the worst thing about playing in the minors? Money. Money might. I mean, be if, the you, if you if you if you way overpay, like give them 
two extra years more than another team would give, they'd probably go there because money talks. But if you're a free agent and the money's close, and if you had to choose from, say, I'm just throwing this out there, Toronto or Baltimore, where are you going? Huh. Ruby Sage. You're going to like this question. For Barker's back leg bits, I know fielders can have the yips, but can pitchers? Mm. Oh, I'm thinking of Kikuchi. Mm-hmm. Great show. Listen to the podcast every day. Andy from uh, from London. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Uh, I I have not I have not pulled this uh, this question out just sort of by random. Well, I know why because you, oh, I know why you pulled it out because it, it is the, you know the yips that we talk about. I've, mm-hmm. I've talked about the line of the shields had it when he was with. The, the Expos, some Steve Sachs, I mean, you get a lot of guys. It's just, it's a mental thing, throwing the ball to the base. It can be a mental thing with pitchers. Sometimes it's because a pitcher hits somebody in the head and they develop a mental mm-hmm. block about, and we, we, we call it the yips. Mackie Sasser, a catcher mm-hmm. for the Mets, had the yips. He'd like triple pump before he'd throw it back. Mm-hmm. And the Expos right. would have guys in the dugout that would go one, two, three <laughs> before he pulled that threw it back to the pitcher. Seriously. One, two, three. So you do see that happen. You do see that happen. Can pitchers get it? And Absolutely. Could, that, could that be, we can't get inside a guy's head. I get it, but. Depends on what your definition of yips are. You, you say Kikuchi for me. Yips would mean it's not in the area code. A catcher has no no chance of Jose, catching. Remember, Jose Altuve went through it a little at bit. second base. At second base, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the yips for me. Like it's not even close. Like the the whoever he's throwing it to has got no chance of yeah. catching it. You say it's not like that. Like his misses are non-competitive, but they ain't like that. Yeah. Maybe the mental part of the side of it, what he's doing, because all all the the conversations that I've had says the bullpens, everything off the field are fine. Yeah, stuff's coming out hot. The velocity's there. The break on the slider's good. The split fingers, he's throwing it where he wants to. It has late break on it. Everything looks good. He gets in the game. It's just the opposite of that. Why is that? That that's the thing. Is but that that's is different that from the yips? I, I think, think so too. That for me is I, so. I'm not real sure. I mean, that's a great question. Oh, a I don't great make question. Think about it, but I just don't think he's there yet because you've seen enough good starts from him that he can locate 97. Got yeah. it in the tank. Just mechanically for me. It's the break coming out of his glove and release point. That's the two things, and that's a project. That's something off-season you got to work on. Trying to do that in-season is a lot to ask a pitching coach to just figure all that out and then have him go out and be competitive and give you a chance to not abuse your bullpen for starts that are, are to come. So, yeah, it's a great question. I just don't think he's there yet, but he is a giant work in progress. Eli, or Ellie, pardon me, Mayor, uh, Brios was nicknamed La Maquina because of his consistency. I think that's how you... It's clear this year is an aberration. I would be concerned that there's an underlying injury. Why is no one talking about this possibility? I'm going to throw that out there. Mm -hmm. First of all, uh, you know, you look at his his last start, and I had the numbers there. You know, the velocity is... I mean, it hasn't been the velocity hasn't been. I don't think to the point where you'd you'd. Uh, you'd well, be they have they have about talked it. about that with the dead arm. Now that's not so that much an injury. Before. That is a dead arm. You know, I look he at goes things through things of trying to force his way through that and look at the scoreboard and see if the if the velocity's there because he needs it on the breaking ball too. And when you force it, you start to guide it, name it, 
doesn't break the way you want it to break. The injury, I, I, I did say that a start or two ago on Jay's talk, that if he's not injured, and it sounds like the, the conversations that I had, he's not. No, I would think with a guy, with, uh, this is where we get to the contract. You got that contract. If that if he's hurt, you're... You would certainly you're think sh- so. You're, you're going to shut him down. I, I'm, I'm, me, I'm going to go back to this, what I went to yesterday. I, I'm more worried about why is it so hard for him to make in-game adjustments? Why, why does it linger as long as it does? Caleb came on and said, the catcher actually needs to set up here to basically tell him where to start the pitch. Why is that? You've got so many starts at the big league level that you should be able to do that. And that, for me, is more in, qu- <clears throat> excuse me, more in question than the injury part because I have asked the question, and yeah, the question I, came back that he's not. So I'll take the word for it. I look at this, too. This is the thing that would really concern me with Jose Brios. And you're right. You know, he's, he's had a difficult time, you know, hitting the target arm side. He's threw, he threw 17 curves in his last start. Zero whiffs. Uh, he missed four bats in his last start, two in fastballs, two in change-ups. That was the sixth outing this year where he's had four or fewer missed bats. He had two last year. He had none in 2020. He had two in 2019. He had two in 2018. The spin rate in his curve, the horizontal and vertical break, all of those are down. That, I, I think, concerns me about Jose Brios because he needs his, he needs his curve. Well, it, be effective. well, a lot of that, he needs fastball command. He needs a little uptick in velocity on the fastball, be able to command that to both sides of the plate. It's very hard for him to do that, too. He's a three-quarter arm slot guy, which it's over here. It's very hard to, you know, manipulate the thumb and the finger, the middle finger, and make that thing go where you want it to go because of where you're releasing the ball from. And that's why mechanics is such a big deal for him. And that's why you see him out there, and he does the – how would you like you you know where he's sort of making that where stay in your lane, be straight to your target, finish the target, don't fall off to the first base side. You really get it out there. You want the extension because he's trying to force it coming off the fingers the way he wants it to come off the fingers. And it's for whatever reason he's been fighting it from the first start on all, all the mechanics and everything that goes into being Jose Barrios and. I'm not sure I'm worried about him, but I am confused. Confused is what I am because I just don't get that. You can't teach experience. That's why you dump 130 large in a guy because you shouldn't have to worry about him experience-wise. He should make adjustments quicker than everybody else, and that's what I just don't. Terry Whalen, a terrific listener, by the way, always asks good questions. Uh, Kevin Biggio is very... Sorry, before you go, before you, go yep. the, you talked about the swing and miss stuff. Yep. He's only had 10 str- uh, strikeouts per nine one season. The, the, it's mainly somewhere around nine. Okay. So he's not a big strikeout guy is my point. So okay. he's going to rely on more soft contact and that All kind right, of thing. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Terry Whalen from Mirror Machine, New Brunswick. Uh, Kevin Biggio is very versatile in his current role, but how long before he replaces Espinal at second base? Now, I, th- I know the reason Terry is asking that. Um, Santiago Espinal. What did we? What did we look at his numbers, Kevin? What is he nine for fifty five or something? Nine for fifty five. Hitting under under one twenty. I will say this. You know what I found? I, I found interesting yesterday was uh, Alex Cora talking about Trevor's story at second base. Said he thinks he's one of the premier defensive second basemen There's in the no American question. League. Almost as good. At, but no, he's talking about Trevor's story. He said almost as good as Santiago Espinal. <laughs> 
Like he would put him up there with Santiago Espinal. So defensively, that tells you what other teams think of Santiago Espinal. Um, Santiago Espinal is this team's second baseman. I, I mean, you're not going to get, you're not going to stop playing him every day because he's slumping. You've committed to him as a second baseman. Uh, but what are you seeing from him at the plate? Are you seeing anything from the players? Is this just, you know, it's uh, it, 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 it's a tough eight game stretch. It is a little bit of that. It is uh, he faces really good pitching. He faces a lot of right handed pitching, and he's been getting. I got to say this, he's been getting screwed by umpires. Like, oh, I'm so, come oh, on. No, like, no, no, not, no, 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 no. You look back. Look at the game right. that Doug Eddings had. Okay, look at the look, game look at Doug the Eddings that he had. Misses. He gets he gets a good pitching oh, advantage to hit when he when he misses that. He's and then you expand because you get all the right handed hitters out all the same way. He's you get, do all the same way. He's getting screwed over more. I can't believe that you're 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 poo pooing uh, on the numbers an are there. He's if if you look at at, at Doug, he's been getting screwed by umpires more than anybody in this team. Anybody on the team? Yes. Okay, I, I'm Absolutely. not I'm not on that side. I, I think you make adjustments. I think you you evolve into what you're trying to evolve into. I, I do think his barrel length is not has not been great, which he's pulling his front side. Looks like he might be getting a little tired. Never played every single day. Playing at the big league level is not only a physical grind, but it is a giant mental grind. And I do remember uh, when Chapman got hurt and he had to move over to third base, and and I saw him after batting practice one day. He was walking off the field, and I said, hey, how's it going? How is the move going from the right side of the infield to the left side? He said it's a, it's a big mental grind just because of the angles, the ball coming off the bat, like there's a lot of things that go now into me thinking we, about oh, and that. And by the way, son, go into right field when we go to four men. And oh, by the way, field. we still want you to continue to hit at the plate. I'm not making excuses for him. I never do. People that listen to me, I'm a straight shooter. But there is a lot to that. And Santiago Espinal is not a great hitter. He is a hitter who's trying to find his way. People that are trying to find their way go through bumps. He's going through one of those, and you can't you can't you can't forget that the pitching that they face is really good. <laughs> Look, yeah, they are really good. They now he's getting pitched backwards because he's starting to you know early in the season he was a line to line guy. He's letting the ball travel. He's using his lower half. How much did we yell and scream about how good he looks? His lower half, how strong he is. He's using his backside, which allows him to let the ball travel because he has the little whip with his hands because he's so strong with his lower half. Long seasons are grinds. When guys don't go through this, we talk about this with Alec Manoa. How's it going to look in September? Is he going to look the same? Because I don't know know if you've noticed, but sometimes the break here in the last couple of starts, he's had the muscle through it. He's got the invisible. He's a really good pitcher. That's why he's been able to do it. But how's it going to look? Because he's never done it. Santiago Espinal is no different. And this is what he's going through. This is why... Throughout the the season, they've moved him around. They put him in the two hole. They've let him off. They put him in the six spot. They put him in the eight hole. They want to move him around a little bit, a little bit to take the pressure off of him. And he's a defensive first player. I think he's accepted that. And whatever you get offensively, yeah, uh, you take. No, I, I I'm with you. It uh, it would be nice if everybody one to nine in the lineup hit thirty home runs and hit three hundred, but. That isn't going to happen. And he's the way the bottom of the order stacks up most nights. There's always something happening down there, whether it's Guriel, him and Biggio, or Chapman, him and Biggio. The bottom of third of the order has been really productive for the Blue Jays. Notice how he's handled his slump, too. He doesn't really let it bother him. He's, he's not suffering on the defensive no, side. No, he's not. Which is what he has to do to play Bingo. every day. Exactly. Uh, Jays and Red Sox. Game two of the three-game series goes tonight, 7.07 on Sportsnet 590. The fan following the game, Blue Jays talk. 
as per usual, it'll be Mr. Barker and myself. We'll be back tomorrow with Blair and Barker at the same time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the baseball. We'll chat later.